Your Bibles turn to James chapter 1. That was good. Very good. Amen. Takes a lot of courage to get up here and sing in front of everybody. And you know something? That is a very impressionable age. They say that they learn 70% uh, of all that you're going to learn as far as your character is concerned between 1 and 7. Or 0 and 7. Amen. I believe a lot of babies learn a lot in the womb when they come to church. But that's an impressionable age. Precious age. I tell you what, don't waste it, parents. That's a great time to teach them that Jesus loves them. I want to preach a very brief message tonight, <clears throat> but it probably won't be. And um, it's on uh, sin is an inside job, or LSD, lust, sin, death. You'll see where I get that in just a minute in our text. Let's stand on of, our word, of the Word of God, James chapter 1, 12 through 15. Don't forget men. Um, the uh, men's breakfast at Kelly's at 7.30 a.m. And so help me, I think I'm getting forgetful too. Uh, I don't know who I assigned the devotion to. So remind me after the service if you got the devotion, okay? Uh, I know I gave it to somebody, but I just don't remember who I gave it to. So excuse me. Um, it's been a long month. <laughs> it's been a long life. No, not really. Uh, look, <laughs> look at verse 13. Uh, before I... Uh, Priestess text, Miss Joanne asked me how old I was, and I asked her how old she was. And so we both end up lying on the same pew, amen. But anyway, <laughs> that was after the Lord's Supper. <laughs> All right, let's go, to, let's go to preaching, amen. Stop meddling. Verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. In other words, don't blame God. Look at verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away, powerful word, of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. If I had a real title for this message, I might call it The Anatomy of Sin, Brother Cody. The anatomy of sin. That might look better on the internet. Amen? I don't know. But I want to tell you this, friend. If you've ever paid attention to a message in your whole life, tonight is a night to listen to how the devil works, how the flesh is weak, and how you can have victory over temptation. Let's pray. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the great time of worship around the Lord's Supper table. I wouldn't miss it for anything. And God, I thank you for... Uh, these folks has come tonight to um, just worship you and praise you. Thank you for the good testimony and the good prayer and all that went along with it. That good special by these little ones, God. I pray that you continue to uh, touch Oliver's life on how much God loves him and Tanley's life and how much God loves her. And Lord, we thank you for their parents that has raised them up from day one in this place. And God, at the same time, uh, supervised the whole nursery ministry, and Lord, I thank you for Brother Alex and, and his ministry in the singles class and on Wednesday night. It's just a blessing to see a young family serve the Lord together. And so, Lord, help us, God, not to waste the opportunity tonight to worship you in spirit and truth. Teach us something. Help us, God, to get some strategy against Satan, because he sure has got us wiles against us. And Lord, we want to see victory over temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we are a nation of victims. It's pathetic, 
And it has no responsibility. The people are always victims. Smokers suing the tobacco industry. If that ain't the most ridiculous thing, read the pack. Amen? Well, don't read the pack. Don't even buy them. Amen? But, boy, mercy. Parents of obese. I called them the wrong thing this morning. I'm sorry and got told off about it. No, not really. Parents of obese children suing McDonald's. I had a Big Mac the other day, and I chose to eat it. Amen? And I enjoyed every bite of it. Praise God. I think my grandson wanted two. Thatcher might be little, but he eats like a horse. And uh, anyway, uh, parents suing McDonald's because their kids are too obese, overweight, dignified. In New York City some years ago, I think it was about 10, 15 years ago, a guy jumped on the subway train tracks, the subway tracks, was mutilated, lost both legs, turned around and sued the transit company for $650,000. You know what I said? You jumped. It's your fault. Amen. But I guess that's not right. Everyone's a victim. No one wants to take the blame for anything. You know, it's a Freudian psychology. My mother dropped me on my head, so therefore I want to be a mass murderer and I have a right to be at that. Or it's evolution. I came from a monkey, I came from an animal, and I'll act like an animal. There's no God, there's no boundaries, I'll just act like my ancestors. Baboons. Pathetic. I believe in reality therapy. I believe you ought to call sin, sin, name it, repent of it, and flee from it, and live victorious. Reality therapy. Favorite game in America is the blame game. And people even try to blame God. Verse 13 says, don't blame God, it's your fault. Some people, like Flip Wilson when I was growing up, uh, his favorite saying was, the devil made me do it. They want to blame the devil. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The devil can throw gas, uh, can uh, light a match, but we have to provide the gasoline. That's the lust of the flesh. I want us to read... Uh, verse 12 again, or excuse me, verse 11, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted. Folks, I want to say this, you will be tempted. God cannot be tempted. Why cannot God be tempted? Because I want to tell you something, He's a holy God, He's a righteous God, He's a perfect God, and there's no place the devil can scratch. There's no place that he can find a weakness. God's totally holy, He's antithesis of sin, God cannot be tempted And God will never, listen to this now, God will never tempt you to sin. He'll never tempt you to do evil. He'll test you to stand. The devil will tempt you to uh, fall. And and folks, sin is a a stumble and, and, and make a mess out of your life. That's what sin will do. Temptation does not come from God. Satan is the agent of temptation to do evil. Now God tests. Brothers and sisters, I want to just say this. Sin is an inside job. Being saved does not make you immune from temptation. And I want to say this, friend. Being tempted is not a sin. Everyone's tempted. You can't go down the road hardly without being tempted. Especially in Atlanta, you're tempted to have road rage. Or pull off the road and never drive again. Say amen. You're tempted with the billboards. You're tempted with the advertisements. And folks, you're drawn away. The word drawn away is, is a very seductive word. Look at verse 14. It 
It says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I want to give you three things real quick. Number one, there's a courtship that leads to consent. A courtship that leads to consent. The devil's going to court you. He's going to date you. He's going to try to provoke you. He's going to try to entice you. And folks, he draws you away. The word draw away is a trapper's term. It means to set a trap, like for an animal. It's also a fisherman's term. My pappy was a great fisherman. Matter of fact, uh, the only time I ever saw him perturbed was when he was about 90 years old. Brother Pete took him fishing. Brother Pete caught more fish than he did, and he was a little upset about it. Because nobody has ever outfished Pappy. But Pappy had this favorite lure. You know it, Jason, and I know it. We use it all the time. It's called the tiny, and I always thought it was a hidden torpedo. But it's a hidden, H-E-D-D-E-N or O-N. And this tiny topwater hidden torpedo was nothing but a piece of wood painted like a frog. It had a treble hook here and a treble hook here, three hooks. And it had a propeller on the back. And those dumb fish thought it was a real frog. And folks, I want to tell you something. I love fishing with that certain lure. My pappy said it's more fun fishing with a topwater lure than all those worms that you lay on the bottom of the thing and all that fresh bait. Don't do that, Wayne. Get you a tiny hidden torpedo. If you'll go to my tackle box right now, my tackle box is full of those little wooden frogs with a propeller on the back and six hooks on the bottom of the belly. And I'm going to tell you something. When you fish with one of those things, and I'm going to tell you, if you fish like my pappy used to fish, he would take that thing and throw it right next to a lily pad, right next to the edge of the, of the uh, bank, if, if we dared let him get in a boat. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. He would place it just right, and then he'd pop it. And he'd pop it. And he'd pop it. And usually on the first pop, the water would explode. And the fish would come out like that. And praise God, it would be a big fish. Bigger when it got to the storytelling. And I used to say, man, I'd like to catch fish like that. And it's fun. But I want to tell you, the whole reason is that it's drawn away. The devil's a master fisherman. He knows exactly, whether it's money or pride, sex, or vainglory, he knows exactly how to lure you into sin. And folks, it's no accident that prostitutes are called hookers. Amen? They hook people. There's an anatomy of sin. There's a courtship that leads to consent. The devil flirts. The devil has his bait. He tries to draw you away. He begins the flirtation. The devil throws the match, but he needs some gasoline. And the gasoline is your unholy desire in your heart. I want you to look at Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Stay with me now. I'm trying to help you to have victory over sin. Mark chapter 7, verse 21, please. The Bible says this. I believe this message will help you now. I'm convinced of it. I'm convicted of it. And I'm excited about sharing it. Or preaching it. We don't share around here. We preach. It says in verse 21, from, it says, for from, what's the third word there? Within. Now don't use those funny Bibles. It'll probably say from somewhere around in the surrounding neighborhood. Uh, for, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceedeth evil faults, adulterers, fornications, 
murderers, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now folks, everyone wants to say, well, I was born with this desire. I heard some funny guy on the TV the other day say, well, I haven't been able to find myself. Don't play while I'm preaching. I, I, I hadn't had a chance to find myself. I haven't had time to, to um, uh, really know myself. And I believe I was born to be a woman. And I'm going to change my whole sex and become a woman. He's blaming it on God. He's saying I was born uh, in the wrong body is what he said. I thought, God. How sick can you get, fella? Be a man. Check your birth certificate. Praise God. Put your tennis shoes on and go kick a cactus or something. Amen? Come on, say amen, man. You with pink socks, say amen twice. I was born with this desire. Baloney, you wasn't born with a desire. You was born with a, well, some people are pedophiles. They say, I was born with that nature. They blame God for being mass murderers. No one can say that God say that God made you this way. I'm telling you, Vince. No. Hey, listen. I know we got a sinful nature, but I'll tell you what. The blame game is pathetic. No sin is an inside job. There must be a courtship, and no sin will be conceived until you say, "I do." You choose. To sin. Don't you ever forget that. You choose to be rebellious. You choose to dis be a disobedient. Say amen. That's why this, I'm very serious about this message. I'm serious about every message. But I'm very serious about this message, folks. Sin is a point of choice. You don't blame it on society. You don't blame it on, some people probably blame Trump for sinning. He gets blamed for everything else. Let's go ahead and blame it on him. Praise God. Or blame Hillary. I don't care what you do, but I'm telling you, folks, you need to realize where sin comes from, and you're not free to, you're free to choose. But let me make this statement. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. You know, when Jason was growing up as a young, young man, he was free to cut up in church. But he was not free of the consequences when it was over. He's one of my best listeners now. I beat the devil out of him. No, not really. <laughs> hey, listen. My children have a choice. But I have a, I have a responsibility to discipline them in love. Right. Amen? And you have a responsibility. And I will say this, friend. The choice is, is free, but the consequences is not. You can, you, you're free to drink all you want to. But, that, but your con the consequences will be horrible. If you saw the way my daddy died of cirrhosis of liver, you'd never touch the stuff. You'd never even get around it. I won't even describe how terrible it was how he died with that cirrhosis of the liver. So number one, number one, now you need to realize that uh, there is a courtship that leads to consent. Then there's a consent that leads to conception. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, please. Come on. Stay with me. Some of y'all look like y'all just about died this week. Amen. I know it was rough, but praise, praise God, stay with me. Amen. We got to do something about having this camp and vacation Bible school back to back. Vision Baptist stole our week, so we got to get it back. But anyway, look at this. 
I want you to look at verse uh, 15. Then, it says, well, let's, let's go back to verse 14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. That own lust and enticed. You take the bait. You grab the hook. It's a, it's a trick. It's a decoy. It's a lure. It's a trap. And then it says in verse 15, And then lust has conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. Folks, listen. The consent that leads to conception. First there's a courtship. Then there's a consent. And then there's a conception. There comes an unholy union that brings an unholy child. And that unholy child is sin. I'm not talking about just the sin of having a baby out of wedlock. And by the way, by the way, there's no illegitimate children. There's only illegitimate parents. Think about that one for a second. There's no illegitimate children. There's illegitimate parents. Before there's juvenile delinquency, a lot of times there's adult delinquency. I preach at YDC all the time. I see it. But I want to tell you something, folks. The mother of that sin is inward lust. But the father of that sin is outward attraction. And it's a fatal attraction. When these two come together, there is sin that is produced. There's a fatal attraction. That's the father. There's a flawed appetite. That's the mother. And when these two come together, there's conception. What is that conception? Sin. So the devil takes the outward attraction, touches our flawed appetite, and we all sin. Say amen. You know, it's not sin to drink. God puts a thirst in our, in our soul. But it's a sin to get drunk. It's a sin to drink any kind of liquor. Bud stupid, any kind. I think one-tenth drunk's drunk. I don't believe that you can just go around partying and social drinking. I'm a teetotaler. But I want to tell you something, folks. God puts great appetites on us. Like sleep. It's, it's all right to sleep. It's a gift. How many glad that you had a good night's rest this afternoon? <laughs> Amen. I didn't think I was going to get my wife up, praise God. She went into a deep sleep. And I said... Don't worry, honey, you can just come sleep during the message. Come on, get up. Amen. No, not really. But it's a sin to sleep while I preach. Amen. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. No, it's a sin to sleep too much. That's called laziness. It's a sin. Hey, friend, listen. Intimate relationship is a natural desire, and it ought to be in wedlock. Say amen. If you don't have that, you need some counseling. But outside of marriage, it's adultery or fornication, and it's wicked. See, God, God gives us natural desires. The devil takes it and abuses it. And so, folks, we got a nature inside of us. And the devil wants to abuse it. And, folks, the fatal attraction is what he dangles before you, like an extramarital relationship or adultery or, or a drinking or pride. And then our appetite, it's there. That's the mother of it, and there's conception. Then last but not least, I told you I'd be brief. Third, there's the conception that leads to consummation. Look at verse 15, the last part of the verse. Let's read the whole verse. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Aren't you glad the Bible's so explicit? Aren't you glad the Bible lays it down verse by verse? Get your Bible, amen? And by the way, it's dangerous to get those phones out. You might read the wrong version. Amen? It pops up on me all the time. Get your Bible. Amen? Get your Bible. The King James Bible. Amen? 
There's a courtship, there's a consent, and there's a consummation. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why don't we believe that verse, Brother Andrew? The wage of sin is death. And it's also destruction, and it's damage. It's disappointment. It's a nervous breakdown. It's, it's uh, going broke. It's losing everything you have, you gamblers. How many play the lottery? Raise your hand. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just when you win, tithe. No, I didn't mean that. Amen. There's a courtship. There's a consent. There's a consummation. Not only death, it's misery. It's not only death, it's guilt. Have you been around walking around in sin? How miserable. Hey, by the way, a backslidden Christian is far more miserable than a lost person because you know better. Say amen. It says, when it is finished. You know what that means? When it gets full grown. See, you can't see sin when it's a baby. It's just advertisement. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's the heat of the moment. It's ecstasy for a second. It's in the dark. It's, it makes you feel good. It, hey, it appeals to your insecurity and somebody wants you and somebody wants to date you and somebody ungodly wants to have you. Don't you fall for that, young people. Keep yourself for marriage. And folks, I want you to know, sin at first is fascinating, but then it assassinates. First it thrills, and then it kills. Come on, parents, back me up. You can't see sin when it just feels so natural. And it feels so cool. And it feels so macho. But folks, if it's not in this book, it's sin. And it's not if it feels good, do it. It's if it's in this book, do it. Amen? LSD. Lust, sin, destruction. Now friend, you might not believe this message or not, but this is the Word of God. And the Word of God says lust and sin brings destruction. I believe it. And I've seen many people go to hell, and I've seen many people go to jail, and I've seen many people go to the uh, uh, mental institute, and I've seen many people have visiting hours with their kids and cry all, all the way home when they drop off their little Johnny on the front porch. And I've seen, I've seen heartache after heartache after heartache. I've seen uh, best couples in this church split up and divorce. I've seen it. I've seen it because, folks, the Bible's true. Folks, I'm telling you, it's true. It's true. It's true. It fascinates at first, but then it assassinates. The fantasy of an affair. I'll tell you the remedy for that. Have an affair in your marriage. Amen? Take her out once in a while. Have a date night. Go on a trip. Praise God. Amen? Spend a little money on her. You men, you capture her, now you're going to starve her. <laughs> Buy flowers, good night. We can't eat those. That's my philosophy. But I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to get over that. Because my wife loves flowers. So I ought to love giving them to her. Say amen. Come on, you ladies. This is your chance to say amen, shout, and do a lap around the auditorium. But anyway, listen, folks. Listen, today young people live in a society where there's really no fault. Somebody made me do it. He lured me. You should never be in the back seat with him. You should have never dated him. If he ain't spiritual, tell him to go jump in a lake. Amen. Come on now. I'm helping you, parents. Society says, well, it's an accepted thing. I was talking to somebody yesterday. He's probably listening by way of air. And I said, 
where are you living? Who are you living with? He, said, he says, it saves money. I said, hey, buddy, that's not right. Shacking's accepted now. It's, not, it's still sin. It's still sin. Well, I think it's acceptable. Well, it's not accepted by God. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you're in a relationship where there is no commitment, how in the world are you going to build anything in that marriage? Say amen. Well, we're testing it out. God didn't tell you to test it out. God told you to say I do and have a covenant and let God uh, seal your marital vows. Amen. Come on now, I'm preaching. These no-fault divorces. Give me a break. Nobody to blame. It's just circumstances. It's mental abuse. It's emotional abuse. All kinds of jargon about it. I want to tell you something. God's intention for you to be married to one person for a lifetime. That's what the Bible says. And the trauma of divorce will wreck your, your life if you're not careful. But you that have been divorced, rebuild your life by God's grace. Get up and keep on going for God. And God doesn't classify you as a second class saint. He wants you to be used of God. There's two things you can't be if you're divorced. A, pre, a pastor and a deacon. But who needs a title to serve God? Say amen. But I'm not endorsing anything. I'm just saying praise God, friend. Listen, no fault divorces my foot. It's somebody's fault. Somebody gave in to the enticement. Somebody committed adultery. Somebody was unfaithful. And somebody took somebody for granted. Say amen. This ain't the couple's retreat, but I feel like we're on the first night. Notice how sin ends. I'm closing now. I'm really surprised I am closing. How does sin end? Let's take liquor for each for a thing. You, you, you say, preacher, why do you hate liquor so much? Because I lived in it. I was embarrassed many times. I was hungry many times. And things were said and people were beat and th violence had happened in my home and trauma woke me up in the middle of the night more than I'll ever share with anyone. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't like the effects of it. But I love the alcoholic. I don't want to see him reach, don't you? And every one of them is invited to come in this house and hear the gospel. But I want you to turn to Proverbs 23. I'm going to show you the end of sin. One thing good about, no, many things good about Proverbs, but the one thing that's so powerful about Proverbs, may I restate, is this. It shows you the end of sin, and wisdom is seeing where the bus is going before you get on it. Proverbs 4, 29. But I want you to look at Proverbs 23 real quick, verse 31 and 32. The Bible says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. You know what that means? Fermented. In the Bible days, they drank wine that was not fermented. Don't you ever think that we can take the Lord's Supper with fermented wine. That's an impure pitcher. It's unleavened bread and it's pure juice. Say amen. Leaven is a representation of sin. We would never take the Lord's Supper with real wine. It's fermented. Look not on thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth the color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, at the last, at the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. That I shall behold strange women. How many times you got drunk and the next morning you wondered what you did? Don't raise your hand. We don't want to advertise your sinful past. Remember, 
Remember? You said, oh gosh, I hope I didn't do this. I wonder if I had a wreck. I wonder what I did, what I said. Folks, listen. It says, at last it biteth like a serpent, it stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. It's amazing how bold drunks get. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, and he that lieth upon the top of a mass. I mean unstable. And listen to this. They have stricken me, shall thou say, and I was not sick. They beaten me, and I felt it not. And when I awake, I will seek it yet again. If that's not a picture of addiction, I don't know what is. And folks, it's terrible when you're addicted to liquor. A liquid drug. But all the advertisements around Christmas time, the Clydesdales are going through the snow, and Santa Claus is riding the wagon, and everything's hunky dory as they deliver that beer and that wine and that liquor to the next house to, re to remember the birth of Christ. I'll tell you the true picture those Clydesdales are about to jump off a cliff and wreck the whole thing, and Santa Claus is going down if he's riding that to town. Amen. I'm not a poet either. But I'm telling you, friend, listen, false advertisement. Cowboy walking off, Marbell, Marlboro Band, walking off, uh, riding off in the sunset. And he's tough and he's cool, but it don't show you the cancer, cancer ward. It don't show you the cirrhosis of the liver like my daddy died with, literally vomiting out his lungs. Week after week, month after month of pain. Never has, hey, I, I thought show, show a commercial of a, of a teenager going through a windshield and getting brain damage and don't even know his mom and daddy for the rest of his life because he got drunk and started driving. You know, it's amazing to me. It's just amazing. These racers. Let me just get on racing just a second. They have victory lanes. What's the first thing to do when they have the victory lane? They all pop the champagne and pop the beers. Then let me just get on the baseball and the hockey and the basketball. What do they do? What do they do? As soon as they have victory, they go to the locker room, they all start spewing that junk all over the place that I despise. Folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're not a winner drinking. And number two is there's no victory in alcohol. So why associate that with in victory lane in the winner's locker? It shouldn't ought to be, amen? We ought to get out some good old true moo chocolate milk and say praise God I drank this hallelujah I drank two glasses of milk a day hallelujah that's why I'm a home run hitter I don't take steroids I just obey mom and drink my milk amen no that wouldn't be tough would it that wouldn't be cool would it folks I'm going to tell you something there's some false advertisements around but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says the last it biteth like a serpent Liquors brewed with tears, thickened with blood, and flavored with death. Let me repeat that description. Liquor is brewed with tears, thickened with blood, and flavored with death. That's the end of sin. What's wisdom? Look back to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 29 real quick. The 
Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it the issues of life. It's a heart attitude. Folks, I want to tell you what's the greatest defense of, of um, temptation. When the temptation knocks at your door, say, Jesus, I can't handle this. I can't handle the peer pressure. I can't handle my pride. I can't handle my weaknesses. I can't handle, I can't handle the desires in my life. Would you please answer that door? And I love it when Jesus answers the door to see Satan's face. And oops, I'm knocking on the wrong door. <laughs> Amen. Y'all get it later. But I thank, you, I thank God that we can, ask, we can have Jesus answer the door. But look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 29. 26. There ain't no 29, I know. Brother, the first thing goes to your mind, the second thing goes to your eyes. Don't worry about it. You loved that, didn't you? But look at this, 26. Ponder the path of thy feet, let all the ways be established. You know what that's saying? Find out where the bus is going before you get on it. And one of the greatest wisdoms is this. See the end of your sin. Come on, say amen. Folks, uh, hey listen. If you knew you was going to end up in prison, you'd have never went there in the first place. I'm talking about what got you there. If you knew it was going to end in divorce, you'd have never had that fling when you went out of town. Come on, if you'd have seen it. You've seen the heartache of Johnny and little Susie saying, where's daddy? Why can't he live here anymore? No, you'd have never went there if you'd seen the end of sin. And I want to tell you something. Through the Word of God, you can see the end of sin. Lust. Sin. Death. Let's go on down to Proverbs chapter 5 and look at the sin of immorality. Verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. It always starts with this, emotional affairs before physical. Texting with opposite sex is very dangerous. The person you ought to text with is your wife. You ought to text her often and say, I miss you, I love you, and what is for supper? No, don't say that, amen. Don't say, don't say that. And I'm coming home and I'm hungry. No, don't do that kind of texting. So I miss you and would you like to go out for a candle, a steak and candlelight? Like the fellow one time said, me and my wife, we're very close. We have steak and candlelight supper twice a week. She goes on Tuesday and I go on Thursday. <laughs> Bad joke. But anyway, y'all laughed at it. But anyway, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Immorality, you need to see the end of the story. Look at verse... It says, for the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb, and, and her mouth is smoother than oil. That means she entices you. She said, well, my husband don't treat me like you do. Oh, I wish my husband was responsible and worked for a living. I have to support the bum at home. And, and all the smooth words. Oh, I wish I'd have married somebody like you. When the secretary starts doing that, or somebody on the job starts doing that, or somebody on, the, on your line starts doing that, you better get up and run. Back to your wife and give her a good kiss for lunch. Amen. I'm preaching now. But listen to this. But her end is bitter as wormwood. What is wormwood in the Bible? Poison. Listen to this. Sharper. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death and her steps take hold on hell. 
What's the preventive maintenance for? Look at verse 16. That thy fountain be dispersed abroad and rivers of water in the streets. No, verse 15. Drink waters out of thy own cistern and running water out of thy own well. You know what that's saying? Keep it stirred up at home. <laughs> Keep it fresh at home. Don't take your wife for granted. Don't take your husband for granted. Keep it fresh at home. Have an affair in your marriage. Amen. So the end of sin is, is death. Then, then you go down to the last of the chapter, and it says this. It says, For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord, and He pondereth all His goings. But it says here in verse 22, His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of sin. Addiction again. He shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. So folks, listen. The devil entices you. He tries to hook you. He tries to lure you. What should you do? You should not choose to consent. And say, I do. Nobody's here. I'm out of town. I'll just go ahead and do it. One time won't hurt anything. And then we see pride. I have my opinion. I have my convictions. I have my religion. Folks, listen. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 12, and I'll close with this one. The Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Amen? Religious but lost. Justifying sin because everybody else is doing it. I feel sorry for these kids in high school today. It's wild. I mean, friend, they make fun of you if you're, if, you're, if you're a virgin. Folks, they make fun of you for straight. You ought to thank God you're straight with the Bible. Say amen. And folks, they, they face a lot of it. When we, when we have consent, there's conception. We have consummation. Sin is the finished work that bringeth death. It's an inside job. It's an inside job. You can't blame anybody else. When you want to get rid of temptation, as long as it exists, it's going to exist and it's going to come on you. And you know what you need to do? The only thing you can do is have an inward change. You need to get your heart changed. Christians need to renew their mind. They need to stay in this Bible. You need to yield to the Spirit, yield to the Word. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you're not saved, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This verse just came to mind, and I'll close with an illustration. We're gone. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The Bible says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. You have a new nature. It, as, as that little girl said in her diary I read this morning, the little girl that died on the bus going to the airport, she said it's thrilling that we have a chance to have the divine nature. She was reading 1 Peter. And folks, we do have a divine nature when we get saved. And I want to just say this. When you get saved, God gives you a new want to. Amen? A new want to. You have a new appetite. You have a new desire. If you never want to come to church, you're not saved. If you never read, want to read your Bible, you better check up. And I was, or you're way backslidden, your heart's hard. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to realize the only defense... It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. The only defense is the divine nature. The only defense is that, folks, we can't say no until we say yes. Just say no. That was a big theme several years back. 
No, you'll never say no until you say yes. Because you don't have the power to say no. How many remember Lester Olaf? I know you do, Brother Lamar. Um, we used to listen to it on WDYN every morning. They took him off now, I think. Maybe put him on at 3 o'clock in the morning or something. He was an old-fashioned preacher. And he had a famous story he told. He said that one day, he said, I went to the doctor, and I went to that doctor, and the doctor was named Dr. Law, L-A-W. And Dr. Law said, well, what's the matter? And he said, well, it's my eyes. My eyes are looking at the wrong kinds of things. I'm looking at pornography. And by the way, that will, that will, that will destroy your moral life. Pornography is addictive, destructive, and aggressive. I won't stop there, or we'll never get to the party. It says, I'm looking at pornography, and my hands, my hands are doing things and taking things that don't belong to me. And my feet, my feet are going places I ought not go. And the problem is my eyes, my hands, my feet. Dr. Law says, no, that's not your problem. Your problem is your heart. No, he said, no, 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 it's my hands, my eyes. I ought to, I ought to know, Dr. Law said, trust me, it's your heart. Well, okay, Dr. Law, can you give me some medicine? Nope. Can you give me some exercise? Nope. Well, Dr. Law, what are, what, what are you good for? He said, I only diagnose. And I'm telling you, you've got a fatal disease, and it's going to kill you, and your problem is your heart. Well, Dr. Law, you mean I'm going to die? Is there no hope? Oh, yes, there's hope, Dr. Law said. Well, what kind of hope? Well, you need a heart transplant. A what? You need a new heart. Well, 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 can you do that surgery? Oh, no, I don't do surgeries. I just diagnose, Dr. Law said. Well, who does? Dr. Grace. Well, Dr. Grace, well, where's Dr. Grace? Right across the hall. Do I have to make an appointment? Oh, no. He'll see you immediately. Well, what's the cost? Nothing. You mean, I, you mean he, he'll give me a new heart? Yes. You mean he'll do it right now? Absolutely. You mean I don't have to make an appointment? I can just go in? Yes. And it won't cost you anything. Nope. Will it hurt? Well, it sure may. It may hurt, but you need a new heart. Step across the hall. Tell him that I sent you. And the man steps across the hall, knocks on the door, and there comes the most kind-looking man he ever seen, Dr. Grace. And he says, Dr. Grace, Dr. Law sent me here, and he says, I've got a bad heart. Can you do anything for me? Yes, I can. And Dr. Grace puts, on his, puts him on the table and reaches in with his hand and takes out his, my heart. When I see it, it's so vile. I'm still awake during the operation. It's vile, it stinks, it's loathsome. I never dreamed how corrupt my heart was. And then Dr. Grace puts within me a new heart. Immediately there's a change with my eye and my hands and my feet because I've been given a new heart. Folks, the Bible says in that same chapter, James chapter 1, verse 18, and of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. That we should be the kind of first fruits of his creature. Folks, there is a conception of sin. But praise God, there's a conception of a new birth. And when you get born again, you get a divine nature. And that's the only way you can defeat temptation. Number one, there's a courtship that leads to consent. There's a consent that leads to conception. And there's a conception 
that leads to consummation. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your scriptures. And thank you for your word. And thank you for the victory as won at Calvary. And thank you for the divine nature. Lord, we don't have to sin. We choose to sin. And Lord, I know we'll never be sinless or perfect till we get to heaven. God, we don't have to blame others. We don't have to blame our childhood. and We don't have to blame our mom and our daddy. We just need to blame our bad choices. And we need to, Lord, yield to you and your word and pray, seek your face, and live with victory that was won at Calvary, all because you saved us and empowered us to have the victory.